and welcome again to Across Perspectives. My name is Derek, and this is Minnesota number two. And today's topic is about environmentalism, right? And I define this broadly as this idea that humans ought to protect, preserve, uh, and care for the environment, even if that means uh, restraining or changing our own behavior. Uh, and what I aim to do in this short time is not to give you a, a lecture on the environmentalist uh, position, but is to really try to break down this idea and to surface some of the fundamental questions and assumptions that I think are implicit in uh, such a position. And I try to show also how the Christian perspective uh, can actually be of great value and of relevance to this discourse. And the reason I want to do this is because environmentalism uh, as an idea is extremely common these days, right? And understandably so. In the face of a climate crisis, most people would acknowledge the fact that we need to care for the environment, to rethink the way we relate to it, and so on, right? And I'm totally 100% behind that, right? But I also think that uh, in our hastiness, we can sometimes fail to really think uh, deeply about the implications uh, or assumptions of our beliefs, right? So with that said, let's uh, dive in. So... When we want to think about uh, the environment, uh, whether or not we should preserve it, to care for it, and, and how we should do it, um, I think there are really two answers, uh, two questions rather, that need to be answered. Right? And the first is, what is the role of humankind vis-a-vis -vis the natural environment? And the second question is, what is the value of the natural environment? Right? Why do we have to preserve it? Okay, so to the first question, uh, there are really two ways of answering this. Right? The first is that humans are a part of the environment, right? And so if you subscribe to a, a Darwinian view of the world, a very scientific view of the world where humans, uh, humans are essentially no different from the rest of nature, right? We are simply the most evolved specimen that millions of years of evolution has produced. Uh, and if our existence as a, a natural part of the environment leads to some kind of uh, eco-catastrophe, you can almost look at it as a natural process, right? And, and it, it is nature writing itself, so to speak, right? If humans go extinct, uh, hu nature will just bounce back in, you know, 100,000 years. Uh, and so this will, will just be another small step in this uh, million years long Darwinian process. And so our effect on the world is natural. What will happen will happen, right? And there is almost... Um, very little sense in speaking of what some people call an Anthropocene, right, or a man-made climate disaster, because these assume that humans exist outside of nature and can impact it to uh, a more or less extent, right? And this might be strange to think about, like what, what I'm suggesting, uh, but that is precisely because we are so used to looking at nature, right? And, and I would say that this very ability to look at nature from the outside puts us apart from nature, right? No other organism would be able to you know, reflect on the state of nature that they are in. The second uh, answer to this question would be that humans exist apart from the environment. Uh, and this position is actually implicit, I would say, in most environmentalist views. And uh, the idea that humans have a certain responsibility to control our behaviors, to protect nature, uh, already assumes a certain distinction between us and nature, right? So our impact here on ecosystems is considered man-made, is considered unnatural, um, and therefore need to be subjected to certain restrictions 
so that nature can thrive alongside mankind, right? So it's harmony between man on one side and nature on the other. But it is important to note that, again, if you are someone who is strictly a naturalist, scientific, empirical person, uh, you subscribe to the Darwinian uh, uh, theory of evolution, uh, it, it is really quite hard uh, to, to reconcile that with your core assumptions about life in the universe. Right? It is hard to argue that humans are special, are apart from nature in, in, some, in some kind of essential way from a purely scientific point of view. Uh, in The Descent of Man, Darwin wrote that there is no fundamental difference between man and the higher mammals in their mental faculties. Right? The, all of the differences are of degree, not of kind. So that's something that we do need to think about. The second question, which is equally important, is that, you know, why do we need to care for nature? Uh, and the implicit question in this is, what is the value uh, of nature, right? And the one response to why we need to care for nature is that because without nature, we are doomed, right? And so this line of thinking would be seen in uh, a lot of the discourse today, whenever people say that uh, by so-and-so year, the earth will be inhab inhabitable for half the population. This argument is essentially a man-centric one, right? We are saving the earth to save ourselves, right? Without nature, man cannot survive. So essentially, it is a selfish, selfish position, right? Uh, and that's fine, that's fine, right? We do a lot of things for selfish reasons, uh, but I think it is important to be aware of it and to be intellectually honest about holding that kind of position. Um, the second response, uh, which is the environment itself is inherently, intrinsically worth preserving. And this kind of uh, idea is seen in messaging which emphasizes the amount of damage we have wreaked on the world. People talk about extinct animals, uh, rainforests being lost, uh, polar bears dying, and so on. And such messaging is, of course, uh, extremely effective because who wants to see polar bears go extinct, right? But we still need to ask ourselves why nature is worth preserving, right? I mean, why does it matter if another species goes extinct, right? In fact, new species are being discovered every day and, new, and species are being lost every day as well. Uh, and so implicit in this position really is that nature itself has an inherent value that is worth preserving. Right? And we don't always have the theoretical foundation to back up that implicit assumption because we, we have no real way of ascribing intrinsic value to nature. And so what will happen often is that people will backtrack to the first response, which is to say that, well, you know, if enough biodiversity is lost, ecosystems will crash and humans uh, will suffer. Right? So this goes back to that human-centric uh, position. But another problem with, with this argument um, is that if uh, nature has intrinsic value, even if we can uh, support that conceptually, theoretically, philosophically, um, the question is why should humans uh, be the ones to protect it? Right? Because if we as, as humans allow the climate catastrophe to happen, uh, as I mentioned earlier, nature will bounce back. Right? The earth is not going to die, right? not yet at least, until the sun explodes. Um, you know, new species will form, uh, new ecosystems will evolve. Uh, the only thing wrong with that is just that we as humans will not be here to witness it. Uh, which again pulls us back to this human-centric uh, motivation again. You know, and 
maybe some people might be might be comfortable with that. Maybe they might reach that conclusion and say, you know what, if humans are the one that is causing all of this damage, then maybe humans should go, right? And this is seen in the villain Thanos who did precisely this. But this notion of allowing humans to do their worst, die, and then let nature bounce back is uncomfortable for most, not just because it involves our destruction, but I think also because that we do feel a certain responsibility to nature, right? We feel that it is important for us as humans uh, to figure out a way to live harmoniously and productively uh, with nature, right? And and this sense of responsibility, if, if indeed we do have it, is quite difficult to ground conceptually or, or philosophically, right? Especially if you hold, uh, again, in the first question, if you hold that humans are simply a part of nature, so to be fair, these two questions, uh, you might think they are not immediately practical, right? And, and they're not, right? We do not need to have a robust philosophical standpoint on either of them to appreciate the impending climate disaster and to feel the need to take action. But for the sake of uh, cognitive assonance on the personal level and intellectual consistency in the way we think and speak about the environment, I think it is useful to really consider uh, our responses to these questions and not to um, blindly take up you know, different positions uh, which might lead us to be intellectually inconsistent. So in light of these questions, uh, I, I want to bring in the, the Christian perspective. Right? right. So to the first question of the, uh, the relationship between humans and nature, uh, the Bible is actually very clear. Right? The Bible says that we are indeed special. We are set apart. Right? We are God's best. We are the only ones that he says we are created in his image. Right? Genesis 1, 27. And he says that when after he created humans, he looked at creation and it was very good. Right? Whereas before he created humans, it was just good. Right? So the, the implication is that humans are almost the, the, crowning, the crown jewel of his creation. And it also elaborates on the role that humans have with regard to nature. Right, so Genesis 1.28 says that uh, man is to subdue and have dominion over creation. Right, so immediately this sets up a hierarchy in nature where humans are above nature and in a place of authority apart from nature. So some might view this verse as giving license to, to exploit and to use nature however we want. Uh, but I think uh, the nuances of the Hebrew words do not necessarily, necessarily lead to an image of a kind of negative, exploitative relationship, uh, especially not in the context of Genesis, where God is creating a harmonious world of creation as a benevolent creator, and he has instituted this relationship as part of that uh, creation order. Uh, in fact, Genesis 2 presents a counterpoint to this, as man is also commanded to tend to the garden and to keep it. And so this is presents more of a harmonious, positive, uh, nurturing relationship. Right? So I think the common holistic interpretation of this is that man is, is in a kind of stewardship position where we rule for God on earth to bring about the flourishing of the earth. Right? So this is to the first question. And to the second question, the Bible tells us that why should we preserve and, and care and protect nature? It is worth caring for because it is good. In Genesis 1.25, and because it is God's creation. And so this good is not an arbitrary good, but it is a good that is derived from a greater good, a divine good, which is God. 
right? And without a concept of what is the good, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it is philosophically empty to say nature is good and therefore is worth protecting and preserving. And not only does the Bible tell us that nature is of intrinsic value and is thus worth uh, protecting and preserving and being cared for, but it also tells us that we humans are the ones to do it because we are the ones who have been tasked to do it. And at the same time, uh, the Christian view also is clear that humans are valued more than nature, right? Again, humans are set apart. We are the crown jewel of creation, right? And so this checks the kind of antinatalist, uh, genocidal tendencies uh, like you see in Thanos, right? So the Bible really provides uh, quite a firm foundation for an environmentalist view. It avoids the conundrum of the naturalist view where humans are simply uh, a part of nature. It replaces the selfish motivation of self-preservation with the motivation to protect and nurture what is intrinsically good and to do so out of obedience and worship to a higher being. It affirms humans' dominion over nature, but at the same time checks it against a higher authority to whom we are answerable. So in conclusion, I have tried to show that uh, there are some tricky questions and assumptions that we should be aware of when it comes to environmentalism. And I hope I have encouraged our listeners to think more deeply about their own positions on these. As we've seen, these questions can be difficult to answer in a philosophically consistent and robust uh, manner. Uh, but the Christian view here seems to have some value as it offers quite clear, relatively clear answers that are consistent uh, with the rest of its worldview. So that is all for this mini-sode. Uh, I hope that you have learned something. I hope that uh, we, I have encouraged you to think more deeply about something. Uh, and as always, if you like our content, please check out our other episodes or you can follow us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts and so on. So until next time, this has been Across Perspectives and we'll see you at our next episode.